0: You're listening to Compassion Radio. Morning, honey, and welcome to Compassion Radio. We're doing a different series this week because of a couple of reasons. One is we haven't really had a lot of face-to-face time in the past few weeks, you and I, had to talk about what Compassion Radio is doing or not doing where we're going or not going, mm-hmm. what we're hoping to do and what we're hoping to not do. We have a lot of things to sort out as a ministry, and probably a lot of people that are here in this program feel the same way. Life's been in a lot of tumult the past few years, and what do you do now? The country's kind of hitting a reset button. we got an election coming up next year, all the normal stuff that countries are supposed to keep doing. The world's changing. The world's the same. <laughs> it's also right after the solstice of the summer, and the solstice is kind of the kickoff of all the big things people love to do in the summertime which means who knows where our radio audience might be at this point. They could be out on the lake somewhere. They could be doing a road trip. They could be visiting family or out in the garden for all I know. So I don't know who's listening to these programs, but I want to jump into it with you and see what God might have for all of us in this conversation. Because I do believe, and this is our theme to start off with, that God is up to something new.
1: hmm Yeah, it's so interesting to look at what's happening around the world and just the people that we know, just in our sphere of influence, friends and the things that they're doing this summer, the trips and the staycations, Mm -hmm. all of the things that are happening in the lives of those that we care for. And some of it looks like a new thing. We have friends that have new grandbabies. Mm -hmm. We have friends that their children are getting married. so, yeah, I think it's a good idea, a good opportunity for us to look at what's going on right now, what the potential is to happen in the future.
0: You could say that life didn't stop when life stopped.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly. And I still feel like I'm not really back in a rhythm that would feel normal to me. After two or three years of having to take a whole different pace mm-hmm. during the epidemic, of course, Americans are pretty hung up about how we process the issue of COVID and dealt with it here. But you and I have spent a lot of time overseas during those years as well. Mm-hmm. And we saw the devastation wrought across the planet by that one virus. Yeah. And we saw what the church had to go through. And it was put on the spot like never before in so many countries. It was a difficult, difficult time before the entire worldwide body of Christ. And I'm not going to dwell on the issue of COVID today because it's just one of the examples, honey, of the kind of things that the church worldwide has had to deal with in the past few years. But they've been dealing with these kind of things for centuries.
1: Oh, yeah. There's so many things that creep up on us, or we think they creep up on us, but they've actually been happening already around the world. And we're seeing a flood of refugees even more just because of things that are happening in Sudan and right. South Sudan and Yemen and other areas of the world in Afghanistan and in Ukraine. We're seeing all over the world people being forced to do a new thing.
0: Yeah, whether they like it or not. Whether
1: they like it or not. Jump back
0: like seventeen or 1,800 years and the Roman Empire, and there were pandemics happening precisely because of policies of the Roman Empire, forcing people into ghettos and causing all kinds of mass migration and wars and pestilence that were happening. Suddenly, they were overwhelmed with disease. And who did they blame? The others, the, these weird cultic Christians that were living among them. And they started persecuting them again for being the cause in their minds, or at least scapegoating them mm-hmm. so they would have to take responsibility for their own problems. Mm-hmm. That's still happening today. Now, those Christians way back then had a choice to make, either to put up with the persecution directly on them and just take it quietly, or to defy the government and to rebel, or to do something new. Mm. And what they did back then, established them as a worldwide force for good. They marched into where the suffering was, even when they were being blamed for it, and started setting up places of refuge for those who were sick. Mm -hmm. Those who were being thrown out of their homes and left to die on the side of the roads. They created what is now called a hospital. Mm -hmm. It had never been invented before. The Christians in the Western world invented hospitals. And they were the ones being blamed for the things that they did not cause and being scapegoated for the things they would never have done for a God that no one wanted to believe in. And yet they lived it. They chose to step forward at a time of great danger to themselves and many Mm-hmm. and transform the thinking by doing things that transform people's perceptions.
1: Well, that reminds me of a question that you posed earlier in conversation, not on broadcast. The question is, what would it really look like for us to take the red letters mm-hmm. seriously? Yeah. What does that look like? What does that mean for us? I think oftentimes we think, oh, sure, I am taking it seriously. I'm doing the things that I'm called to do through Scripture and I'm walking out my faith in that way. Yeah. I do wonder, however, if we looked deeply into the words of Jesus and what Jesus was saying to the crowd, how dramatic that was, how against the grain it was, the things that Jesus was saying.
0: It was against the circumstances, too. It was standing in the face of things that seemed to be defining the moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The time that Jesus was literally walking through Israel... Israel was not Israel at that time. It was a protectorate, a little client state of the Roman Empire by that point. It was divided up between Syria and different powers. And Jordan and even Egypt had influences in the area. And they put a little puppet kings around there to keep people divided. The country was not the country that we read about in the Old Testament. It was a defeated, fractured remnant. But it believed that it was something. It really wanted it to be something. But there was always a threat of revolt constantly because people were dissatisfied with their overlords from Rome. Mm-hmm. So Jesus walks around in the middle of the threat of constant violence against the government or by the government over the people and walked right through the middle of that. He didn't take sides because he was the side. Hmm. You know, he was the path. He was the way. And every time he talks about walking the way, it's like, no, not that way, not this way, not the right or the left, down the middle. I have a path for you, but it's not a political path. Mm -hmm. And we always think about the middle way or the new way or the third rail as being something that is somehow a betrayal of your values. You have to be on one side or the other. Jesus said that there was no way to be betraying God if you're following him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about what you said. It's about who you followed and where you went and what you did when you responded to a command of your king, your God and father. And that was the big rebellion against the world authorities by saying that God literally has something important to say and owns me in a way that only slavery could be compared to here. But it's not a kind of slavery that makes us less. It's a binding of our hearts to God in such a way that empowers us Mm -hmm. to set free. Set free everybody. And that was the path that Jesus was saying, follow me to. And he's still doing it. And we see that all around the world when we travel. Like even in Vietnam last Christmas, we sat down with Christians all over the country. They weren't worried about what the politics of the day were anymore. They have a living memory of having gone through horrendous warfare between America and the North Vietnamese communists and all the other empire powers of Southeast Asia during the 60s and 70s. But they are on the other side of that now with a country that's stable, although they don't like there's certain strictures on them. But they have prayed through all this for decades. They have served through all these decades. They have given of themselves. They have built the fellowships of the body. And the country has waken up the fact that, you know, Christians are everywhere now. We can't keep them out. We can't drive them out. So we better figure out a way to deal with them. That's what the government has literally done in the past couple of years. And that's why the opportunity opened up for me to go with Bibles for the World to be part of some of the biggest events that have happened in Southeast Asia. Tens of thousands of people in the open being allowed legally to assemble to hear the gospel. Mm. That only came about because generations of believers were consistently faithful and served their people in their little villages, in their inner city neighborhoods, and loved their neighbors who happened to be communists, not defied them. Mm-hmm. They loved them into the kingdom. And we saw that all over Hanoi and Saigon. It's called Ho Chi Minh City now. Mm-hmm. It was fabulous to me to see this is what first century Christianity or the third century Christianity looked like. Mm -hmm. This is how Christians move through great tribulation and come through that with a vision for their country and for God's kingdom within their people. And they see heaven in that. Mm -hmm. They treat people equally.
1: I think that's a great example of what Jesus says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God.
0: He wasn't just talking about stuff. No,
1: he's talking about the things that, the allegiances that we have. Do we love our countries? Yes, everyone loves their country. You hope so. I would say pretty much people love their countries. Even those who are forced to leave their countries. Mm -hmm. They love their place. They're not leaving because they hate their country. They're leaving because they're unsafe there and they have to. It's okay to love our country. Yeah. It's okay to think that we have a beautiful country. Because we do. But our allegiance is not to that political system or to the country that we live in. It is to the kingdom, like we talk about so often here on Compassion Radio. The kingdom is where our allegiance lies.
0: And we probably need to say the ultimate allegiance. because The Bible has never said, do not be patriotic. And that's why the Chinese right now are patriotic to their country. They're faithful citizens of a communist nation while being the kingdom. And we might be in a more Western, more capitalistic upbringing, Mm -hmm. faithful to our country, but we're still called to be ultimately allegiant to God's kingdom. And he has a final say on faith and life and his spirit is one that leads us in those things and we're about to celebrate one of those great holidays of american history the 247th birthday basically of america is being celebrated on july 4th and i want to recapture my excitement my enthusiasm for that and enjoy the fireworks and be with people and celebrate again thank god that we have this country and that he chose us to be born here it is a great privilege to have that kind of freedom and that kind of not just wealth but opportunity Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please, take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine, and I beg of you. Send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. 247th birthday, basically, of America is being celebrated on July 4th. And I want to recapture my excitement, my enthusiasm for that and enjoy the fireworks and be with people and celebrate. Again, thank God that we have this country and that he chose us to be born here.
1: Absolutely.
0: It is a great privilege to have that kind of freedom and that kind of not just wealth, but opportunity. You and I have been able to travel the world because of some of the things that are unique to America. We are involved with nations all around the world. We're capable with our technology and our transportation and our currency to be able to afford to go around the world. Those are great privileges that many people in many smaller nations do not have. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that. But it's also having gone to places that are not America that we really truly have discovered the kingdom.
1: Absolutely.
0: And realize that it's not just about my brand of church or my limited history within my country or my community. Believe it or not, Jesus didn't walk around and celebrate in Baptist churches or in an Anglican fellowship or go to a Catholic mass. All of those things are outflows of the ways people walked the way for centuries. Mm -hmm. So we are the great-great-grandchildren in all of our denominations, of course, of what Jesus was leading people to do. We have these expressions all around the world. We find different denominations I'd even heard of before (laughs) that have beautiful God-focused and God-following people that teach me a lot about what the Word is saying today. Mm -hmm. That I would not have even thought of had I not sat down with them in a dung hut or on a fiberglass stool or on a bowl of noodles and chilies, or just walking down the street someplace and looking at the beautiful architecture and finding out where God is in the history and in the iconography of the entire country. Mm-hmm. There's so many things to discover about God's people and the presence of his spirit in these countries as we go. We bring that back every time we go. Hopefully, to tell the story amongst our believers, our friends here in America, mm-hmm. that we are a beautiful part of the kingdom, but the kingdom itself has so much more beauty than we've ever even conceived. So let's explore that. Mm -hmm. In that pursuit, we'll probably expand our vision a bit and probably expand our compassion a whole lot.
1: Well, that's the goal.
0: Indeed. At least it is for us. Mm -hmm. So some of the questions around this particular scripture that came to mind was, behold, I'm doing a new thing. This goes back to Isaiah. Mm -hmm. We've heard that scripture a lot. We've heard it used, I think, in sermons about some new initiative. We're going to build a building. We're going to send missionaries to this country, or we're going to you know raise up a school, to teach children, or we're going to do something in our community that be transformational. I'd like that in America, we see that I'm doing a new thing as being an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that we look at it and say, it's a wonderful thing. And we get to be part of it. I've never heard of a church that said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And the pastor saying, well, darn, God's doing it. We can't do anything. It is always a challenge for us to step in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the strengths of American culture is that we see opportunity. We like to take it. We, we believe it's our birthright. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it really is. But you know what? It's even more a birthright within the kingdom of God, that once we're his children, we know we're adopted into this. There's nothing, if God says, go do this, that can't be done. And that's me as a kind of an opportunity that is born of abundance and of great joy and love.
1: Yeah. We look at those opportunities and our possibilities and then dream of these yeah. great things that can come about. But you know what? As I read this scripture, I want to read it in the voice, Isaiah forty-three nineteen. I want us to think about it a little differently. Okay. And I'll explain. It says, Watch closely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am preparing something new. It's happening now, even as I speak. And you're about to see it. I am preparing a way through the desert. Yeah. Water will flow where there had been none. Now I don't know about you, but I cannot make water flow where there has not been water. Yeah. That's not something I am gifted in doing, you know. But I like how Isaiah says in this version, watch closely, because when we watch something, we're not really doing anything other than seeing something happen. This is a thing that we can participate in. This is a thing that we can see happen. But God is doing the work here. God is the one that is preparing something new. He's doing something that we can see happen. And he's preparing a way through the desert, something that we're not necessarily able to do. But God is able to do it. It's not that we don't participate in the work of God and that we are not His hands and feet because we literally are His hands and feet. But I think that some of the things that we get to be part of are not things that we have any ability to change or manipulate or even dream up. It is a dream of God that is manifested.
0: Yeah, I'm chewing on that one, honey, because I I do sense that we are given a creative mandate too, but it's not to invent things that God has to bless. So I think you're very right that God initiates some very important things and it's for us to respond to them and then get creative about how to go about it as his spirit inspires us. And that's what I think I've seen the most around the world is when people seem to have nothing in our frame of reference, they don't have enough money or whatever to do a great thing, but God has opened up a dream for them and they decide to follow him into the great unknown. They don't feel like they're going down a garden path that's full of shadows and dark places. They feel like they're walking into the light because they are, you know, they're stepping into God himself and where he is, there is light. I want to be again I guess recapturing that spirit of stepping into something that is well lit well defined because God's in it and if we don't have all the details yet we still have the entire master builder the master mm-hmm. that's showing us the way and handing us tools as we walk along and describing how to use them and telling us how to start practicing, building up muscle strength as we go. I mean, I know this is a metaphor, mm. but you know, if you think about being called to be a plumber and you're going to have to learn how to use big wrenches and move big pipes and stuff, and you heard about it, it's a different thing for someone to put that wrench in your hand and say, get used to it. This is the kind of weight that a pipe wrench has, and this is how to use it, how to lean in and turn the pipe this way. Because you don't want to overdo it, you'll break that pipe. And you learn from a master plumber. A master builder teaches someone how to handle lumber and nails or how to work with stone.
1: A master seamstress teaches yeah, someone how to exactly. <laughs> manipulate fabric and threads and all of those things. And to clothe the world. Clothe the world.
0: There's always not just an end in mind for God's projects. There's always people in mind mm-hmm. when you're working these I things. I guess I
1: see how God calls us so often through Scripture to cease striving. Oh, yeah. To wait for the Lord, to be still in His presence and watch Him act. And I see that through Scripture, and I see that oftentimes in the church especially, we are so about busyness Mm -hmm. and so about doing things. And we're saying, oh, God's going to do a new thing, so that means I have to do all of these things. Oftentimes, God is saying to us, just be still, just rest, sit in my presence and listen and watch what I will do and what I can do, and then join that work oftentimes not every time but oftentimes we get ahead oh, of wait. God so we right. get ahead <laughs> of what we think yeah. we hear God saying or what we think God wants to do or, or what we him what he wants to tell do. God he wants <laughs> to do yeah and and I just think that it's a good opportunity for us mm. to wait on the Lord. Mm. And to sit and listen and ask him what he wants us to know about the new thing yeah. that, that to We've used that
0: phrase a, a zillion times in this program because we believe in it wholeheartedly. That if you want to know something, you got to ask. And Jesus himself said, you have not because you ask not. He's not talking about stuff again. Mm-hmm. He's talking about wisdom, insight, understanding, courage. Whatever it is you don't have that you know in your heart you need. yeah The reason you don't have is because, well, basically you're too proud to ask for it. God's the one that can give those things in abundance. He never runs out of these things, and he's happy to give them to his children who ask. Um, Let's wrap up this first episode in this little series on this thought. It's attributed to Martin Luther early on when they were asking him, how in the world do you put up with the schedule? How do you get so much done? Because he was constantly having to go around and defend his theses and be called to court to defend himself against the church at the time and be invited to preach everywhere he could possibly preach. I mean, the guy was busy, busy, busy. Yeah. And it is attributed to him that he said something along the lines of, how do I get everything done? Well, I get nothing done unless I spend the first four hours of the day in prayer. Mm. And all the rest comes out of that. And so he had a, a contemplative life. He had learned as a monk how to discipline himself to focus on the first things first. Mm-hmm. And if you think about filling up a jar, like in Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he talks about how to get things in the jar. Mm-hmm. If this is your life, put the important things in first, they will be the biggest things. Because if you put a lot of little things in first, the big things will never fit.
1: Yeah.
0: You learn how much can go into that jar as you start thinking more creatively about what comes after the big things. And he had this example of a big pickle jar and putting rocks in it and then smaller rocks and then pebbles and then sand and then asking his students afterwards, is the jar full yet? And they all say, yes. Well, how about this? He brings out something else that can fill the jar. It's not that you're trying to cram your life full of everything possible, but that you get the first things in first and then the other possibilities appear after that. Mm -hmm. I want to be about getting back to the big things. And like Martin Luther, thinking about prayer itself. Do we spend enough time in prayer? Probably not. And I don't want to be formulaic about it, but there is disciplines that he's starting to build into you and I, and that even the faith community that we're worshiping with now, encouraging us to be more devoted to the kind of principles and practice that help reinforce the truth and scripture in us every day. Mm -hmm. We're growing in that ourselves. And even in our late fifties, we're focused on that kind of growth ourselves. I want to keep focusing on the way God makes things anew and how he goes about doing it. And there are some pretty good principles we can look at in the next few days. And we'll come back to some more of that on the next Compassion Radio. And friends, I remind you that Compassion Radio is a ministry of friendship and cooperation. And you make it possible for us to teach and to encourage you, but also to make friends with the church around the world and find ways to do practical applications of that and help them where they are right now as God leads us to those opportunities. There are many great ministries that have great partners around the world. We happen to run into people who have no partners. And we are helping right now with the supply to the church and orphans in Ukraine during the war. We're involved with Bibles for the World, getting the gospel into all kinds of new open countries in Southeast Asia. Those are the kind of things we like to do, and we love your partnership in that with us. We thank you for your gifts and your support in that way. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.